As I'm sure all of us know, so many people have tested positive for COVID. Back in March, it was almost shocking to hear of someone that you knew who had contracted the virus because it was all new to us and only a few that were at least within our, any of our immediate circles seeming to get it. And now there's seldom a day that goes by that we don't receive news of several folks who have uh, who've tested positive. But I want, I want to say this again. We've said it before. Thank God for His grace upon people. Thank God that most of our folks are getting through it, and by the grace of Jesus, they're coming out on the other side healed and whole in Jesus' name, and such are some of you in this room today. <clears throat> there are a few common symptoms that are often heard uh, about this. It's, you know, body aches and headaches, and some people say they feel like they got hit by a Mack truck. Uh, many people have a uh, uh, loss of taste and smell. Some have a fever. But the one thing that probably you hear the most often, or at least I've heard the most often, is that so many of them have said this, I felt like I had absolutely no strength whatsoever. Some people said, I didn't have strength to talk on the phone. I didn't have strength to text. I even had one person say, I didn't have strength to open my eyelids. (laughs) Just no strength at all. So while that may be um, a common symptom to COVID, the reality is that whether you... uh, whether you have COVID or not, it is a very common experience for all of us to, with some regularity or at various points in our life, to reach that point of what we call little strength. I think it happens to us individually, but it also is easy to see that having little, little strength seems to be the condition of the church today. So the message that I'm giving you, and... Um, uh, I need to go ahead and give you a warning. This is not a light message. And I'm going to ask you, those of you who will, just to ask God's grace to be upon me as I deliver it to you today. My heart is clearly heavy. Um, But this idea of having little strength, it is both a personal thing that we can, any of us can experience, but also, I'm going to ask you if you will, most of us listen to any message through the lens of how it affects me personally. We all do, that's fine. But this is a message I'm asking you also to consider not only personally, but also corporately as a fellowship and as part of the body of Christ. So I'm going to ask us to see what, turn to the book of Revelation. Uh, That ought to be a good clue. This is probably not going to be a light message, right? Going to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. And let's see what the Bible has to say about this condition of having little strength and then what instruction it gives us regarding it. Revelation chapter 3, starting with verse 7. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, so we know who it's coming from, the Lord Jesus. The one who has the key of David. We'll pause there. Those of you who love further, deeper research, there's something to be learned by studying this idea of the key of David. It has to do with the transfer of power. You might enjoy that. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one opens. It's talking about the Lord. What he, go back one screen. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you. Some versions say, I have set, uh, I have set an open door before you that no one can close. You have little strength, say little strength, Yet you obeyed my word, and you did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say that they are Jews but are not, 
to come and bow down at your feet, they will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come, will come, has come, upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have. Hold on, or let's use the the phrase today, hold fast. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of His most holy and infallible Word. And the church said, Bethesda, we are in a battle. It is a battle for the future and the very soul of this nation. I'm going to give you my perspective. It doesn't have to be yours, it's mine. The battle for this nation is not between Republicans and Democrats. The battle for this nation is not between libertarians or independents. That is not the battle. Is there current day impact by those who control those parties? Sure, sure there is. But there is a much, much deeper battle going on, and I pray that God give us the eyes to see it. For the Scripture says this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I believe with every fiber of my being that there are demonic powers set against this nation to destroy it, to divide it, to decimate the people, and to take down the testimony, the testimony of God. I'm going to refer to that a lot. What do I mean by that? Which is, it's our open declaration of our faith in God. It's our test, that which we can testify. And there is every, every evil force of hell is coming to utterly decimate that and destroy that. But my concern is this. What is the point if everything goes my way? What is the point if everything goes your way? but most of the nation ends up in hell. I'm not satisfied with that. I cannot be satisfied with simply fighting for my own comfort or my own viewpoint or my own preferences while everyone around me perishes. I cannot be satisfied with that. Our concern must be for the spiritual future and the very soul of this nation. That's what our concern needs to be as believers. In 1 Kings chapter 20, in verse 22, the king of Israel at that time was Ahab with his issues. He had just defeated 33 kings who had come against the testimony of God. Now granted, the testimony of God at that time in the nation of Israel was weak at that time. But regardless, Israel was called of God because of the promise made to Abraham that they were to be a witness of the reality of God, of the power of God, the generosity of God, of the justice of God in the earth. That was their testimony, albeit weak at that time. But everything about God was to be revealed through a people. And even a casual reading of Scripture all throughout history will show that there is an obvious power of hell 
which comes against that testimony, wants to swallow it up, wants to diminish it, wants to destroy it, to vilify the testimony of God. And yet God is determined to make His own name known through a people who are called His own. And I'm going to tell you that today it is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Bethesda Church. It is every church which calls the name of Christ. And that season, of course, that we're reading about, it was the nation of Israel. But it's through you and I, as the church of the Lord Jesus, that this testimony of God is to be made known in the earth today. It's our responsibility. King Ahab had an enemy come against him that in the natural had the power to defeat him. But because there was still just a spark of life left in the testimony of God, because there were voices still speaking for God that could be heard at that time, this king of Israel had some small remaining ability to hear and to move toward that which God was saying, which caused him to win an incredible victory against odds that were deeply, deeply against him. So thank God for that victory. But can I just tell you when your most vulnerable time is? I'll tell you when mine is. It's right after a victory. We love to celebrate victories, and that's appropriate, and that's great, and that's wonderful. But I have learned through my many years of life and many years of walking with God that my most vulnerable time would be right after a great victory, right after we had done something that, that, that was, seemed to be magnificent within for the purposes of God and the kingdom of God. Right after that was the most vulnerable time. And sure enough, shortly after that victory for Ahab, a certain prophet of God he's referred to as came to King Ahab once again. He said this in 1 Kings. He said, get ready for another attack. Really? Just had, we just were fighting a battle. And we get ready for another attack. Begin making plans now for the king of Aram will come back next spring. In other words, your battle is not over. Don't celebrate yet. And really, the battle has just begun. So what we see here, church, is that King Ahab received a very similar word of what we've read from Revelation, that the words to the church of Philadelphia, where, they said, where he said this, I know all the things you do, and I have set before you an open door. I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, and yet you obeyed my word, and you did not deny me. I believe that the testimony of Christ in America today has only a little strength and that we are nowhere near the strength, the power, and the might that many of us would like us to believe that we have. Why would I say that? Because our voices are largely marginalized and we have, perhaps rightly so, in our generation been cast out as salt to be trodden under the feet of men. The conviction of God is no longer in the house. The conviction of sin is no longer in the house of God. The focus of much of the preaching in America in the last two decades has turned to the gratification of self and turned away from the actual work of the cross of Jesus Christ. We have only a little bit of strength, and I believe the beginning of a spiritual awakening can be sparked by our humility to finally admit our condition and stop boasting of what we are not. We have only a little bit of strength. But Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia, I have set before you an open door. I have opened a door for you that no one can shut. 
In other words, he's saying, I'm inviting you to come into a place where the impossible becomes possible. That's what I'm inviting you to, to come through the open door. I'm inviting you into a place where you will win a battle which you could never win in your own strength. It's a battle for the souls of people. It's a battle for the future of our society. And I'm inviting you through this open door. He says in verse 11, so hold fast. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God and they will never have to leave it. In other words, he's saying this, don't despair because of the moment. Don't despair because of the darkness that has invaded our schools and our colleges and seems to be in every facet of our society. Don't despair. Don't despair because evil is on parade right now calling itself good. But hold fast the truth that you hold which God himself has planted within your heart. Because church, we are called to be overcomers. Can I get a potent amen to that today? But you know what that also means? That also includes the fact that you have to overcome your own sense of smallness. That means you have to overcome your own sense of, hel- of hopelessness. And you have to find within yourself just enough strength to get up and go through the open door that God has set before you. And frankly, that's all he's asking of us right now. He's not asking us to come up with another program. He's not asking us to craft some strategy to win our cities. He's not asking us to get together to picket or to demonstrate as a church for righteousness. He's not asking us to do that. He's simply asking us to get up in the smallness of our strength. We have little strength. Get up in the smallness of our strength because he has set before us an open door which no man can shut. We must quickly reach the point where we can overcome our fear and our doubt and our unbelief. Can I say that's always been the one thing that can triumph over the testimony of Christ is our fear, our doubt, and unbelief. And every one of us deal with it from time to time, ongoingly. It's, it, it's there. Something happens that's new, it's unfamiliar, and fear comes. Uh, you, you don't see your way from here to the next place. And so doubt, will God really be there? Even, even unbelief can, can set in. And it can destroy and, and bring great challenge to the testimony of Christ. Uh, think of the people of God, all the miracles they saw coming out of Egypt, um, all the demonstrations of God's faithfulness. They saw his power. They saw that the heavens and the earth were all subject to him. And yet, when they came to that final border of going in to claim that place of promise where they would be an everlasting testimony of who God is on there, they came to that place, what did they do? They cowered when they saw the giants. <gasps> Doubt, fear, unbelief. They cowered at their own smallness, and they forgot who God was after all that he had done. And the psalmist so aptly puts it this way. They limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited him. Essentially, what they said is this. He's brought us this far, but surely he can take us no further. 
And isn't that something all of us can tend to face from time to time? When doubt and fear comes with any of us, I know God's brought me this far, and yes, I can tell you about my testimony of, of yesteryear, but I've come to this point. Oh, man, this is a big one. This is tough. This is, this is really challenging. This is difficult. He, surely he can take me, me no further than this. Uh, rabbit trail alert here. Becky and I have two precious granddaughters. One's two years old, one's one year old. We were able to spend wonderful time, not enough, wonderful time with them at Christmas. And to those of you who are grandparents particularly, and even parents, you may have had the thought, these days are so difficult. No one's questioning how challenging these days are. And, and maybe even had the thought, oh my goodness, bringing children into the world at this time. What's life going to be like in 15 years or when they're teenagers or, or, or when they're young adults and what's it going to be like? Can I tell you my folks said that about when I was a kid? And my grandparents said that about my parents? And I want you to know this. I know you know that, that verse of Scripture, a phrase that comes up often that's from the book of Esther for such a time as this. It's not a surprise to God that your grandchild was born this year or last year. It's not a surprise to God that you're, that, of, the, of the world that your children have come into. And you know what? The same God that has seen you through is the same God that is going to have grace upon your children and your grandchildren. He's not surprised at such a time as this. I was so challenged by that this week. That, that came to me. I thought, you know, why would I doubt, why would I fear that a God who has seen us through thus far wouldn't see us through all the way and wouldn't see my grandchildren all the way through? It's the same God. So I'm going to get rid of that thinking. I'm getting rid of that idea. It is not a surprise to God, and they have been specifically born for such a time as this. They have been specifically designed to be on the earth in this day and time. So we as parents and grandparents should then absolutely pray that the God of heaven, the sovereign God of the universe, will infuse his power within them, that they will stand strong for Christ to their day and their generation. Bethesda, Scripture we've read to the church of Philadelphia, I believe is applicable to us today. Behold, I set before you an open door. If you can find the strength, I'll bring you into a place where the strength of your testimony will remain, and I will defeat your enemies. We don't have to fight for it. The, the, the fight has already been won. We simply have to enter into it by faith. We simply have to walk through that open door by faith. It is not by might. It is not my power. It is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And if you can hear it this morning, some will, some won't, I know. We have an incredible opportunity before us in this day, in this generation, in this hour, in this moment as the church of Jesus Christ. I preached a message on this idea a few months ago, whenever it was, and I believe it more now than ever. This could still be our finest hour if we get our head out of the sand. And we let our ears hear the right things. Trouble, strife, craziness all around us, yes. But the people of God know how to lift their gaze and come up to a higher level because the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And we begin to see with spiritual eyes what's really happening in this earth. 
It is not by might, not by power, but by spirit, says the Lord, that we will accomplish and come to the victory that God has given us. We could still be in our finest hour if we have the wisdom to understand the moment, the kairos, the moment in which we are living. Is the church today a people of little strength like the church of Philadelphia? It appears to be. However, there is a responsibility for you and I that comes with being a people of little strength. So what do you mean by that, Pastor Dan? I mean, since you've confirmed that I have little strength, what is there that I can do? Many people would say, you know, I'm I'm barely surviving as a Christian today. I can't even lift my voice in the workplace. I'm so afraid of being mocked and ridiculed. I'm a coward and I know it, and yet you're telling me that God is asking me to go through this open door when I only have a little strength? Well, what exactly would God require of me, and, and, and where will I find the strength to get up and wake up and to get up and go through this open door? And what will happen to my life if I listen to his calling? I'm going to try to answer those questions, but I'm going to have to take you back a little bit in history, so bear with me just a second. In the book of Exodus, God did what he always does. He waited until there was no hope left. God always does that. Waits till there's no hope left. Think of Abraham and Isaac. Oh, what about Lazarus? He waited until Lazarus was dead before he raised him up. There was no hope left. He could have spoken the word from where he was, saying, be healed. He had done that before for the centurion. He could have done it right then, but he didn't. He waited until Lazarus died, saying this was for the glory of God. This was for the glory of God. It's important that we always remember that we are weak. Because if we don't know that we're weak, and we begin to, you know, feel our oats about who we are, we would so touch the glory of God. We would. It's human instinct for us. Look what we and God have done. Look what we and God have done, and the we would get bigger, and the and God have done. And God has to wait until the we is gone in us. Am I boring you yet? God will wait until our testimony can only be, look what the Lord has done. That's what he waits for that moment. Back to Exodus. Moses knew what the calling of God was on his life. He knew he was called to bring deliverance to his own people and to, in a sense, reestablish the testimony of God in the earth which had been taken captive by a foreign power. But Moses set out to do it in his own strength, with his own strategies, and he ended, up, he ended up defeated. And so he was driven into the wilderness for 40 years, and in the wilderness he became aware of his failure. He lost his power of speech. He had been a powerful orator, uh, Stephen tells us in Acts chapter 7, ref, uh, reflecting back in the Old Testament. He had been a powerful orator when he was in Pharaoh's court, Moses had. But by the time God had called him, He stuttered. You see, God called him when he had nothing to offer. God waited to call him when he no longer had a sword in his hand, and he no longer had anything but a staff or a stick and his trust in God. God called him in his lowest moment. And he said to him, I'm sending you now 
because I've heard you cry for the people. And I'm sending you to bring them out so that the glory of God and the testimony of God will be reestablished in the earth once again. And so Moses heads out with his family to go. If I was Dr. Joel Gregory, I'd say come closer because this is the part you really got to hear. Moses heads out with his family. But in Exodus 4, 24, we find this really odd, incredibly interesting verse of Scripture. Because Moses has gotten up. He's going in his weakness. He's doing what God's called him to do. And verse 24, Exodus 4 says, And on the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him. Really? And was about to kill him. Here's what we need to know about this. God could have killed him at any time. So why did he do it right here, right now, at this point? And what we learn about this is that there was something in the life of Moses that was so going to cause failure on his mission that God had called him to, that God had determined it would have been better had he died than to progress on the journey. So what could that be? Moses had gotten up in his weakness. He had determined to obey God. He had decided to go through this open door which the Lord had set before him. And for many pastors who would address their congregations today, they would let that be the message and they would go that far and that's it. Let's just get people to get up from where they are and rise and go through the open door and come to their place of victory. Hallelujah. Moses had done that. So what is it in his life that could cause God to even consider taking him out? Let's read on. His wife stepped up. But Moses' wife, Zipporah, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. When she said that, a bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. You see, bringing an uncircumcised son on this journey to set a nation free represented the fact that he had neither yet become fully identified with the people of God nor yet was he fully engaged in the calling of God that was on his life. It was actually something as simple and yet as heavy as that. His own son, Moses' own son, had not been set apart. It was within his power, Moses' power to do it, but Moses had neglected to do it. Moses was bringing something of himself and his lineage and his house into battle. However, what he was bringing was his son that had not yet been set apart for God. So here's my question. Do you fully identify with the people of God? Do you fully identify that you are a part of a body that Christ has placed on the earth for a divine purpose? Are you part of something that is bigger than yourself? Do you identify yourself still as an individual? 
or do you identify yourself as part of something that God is doing in the earth? A testimony that he is raising up called the church of the living Lord Jesus Christ. And secondly, have you fully embraced his purpose for your life? When you came into the church today and you're hearing a message like this, and you, feel, you, know, you may feel like Moses and have felt it within your heart to say, well, God, I, yes, I, I'm weak. I, I, I admit that I am weak. But if you set before me an open door, I, I want to go, God. I, I, I want to do that, and I will do that. But I have to admit to you, you've caught me at my lowest possible moment. I would have preferred that you would have called me when I was strong and felt fortified and had it all together, and, and that's the opposite of what you've done. And I'm not a good speaker, and, and I don't have any courage, and I don't love the way that I should, and, and there's so much that I really need to get cleaned up. But in your heart, there is a sense that you should say, but Lord, I'm going to go, and I will walk through that open door. But the question we all must answer is this. Is there something in your life? Is there something still there? That if you try to bring this thing with you into the work of God, it's just going to cause shame, not only to you, but to the kingdom of God. Are you breathing? <laughs> Is there something that needs to be cut off? Is there something that needs to be put away? And only you can answer that for your life. Oh, I can give you a list of things to consider, but it's such a microscopic list. To, I mean, are you a purveyor of hate in this society, particularly with all that's going on? Are you fostering division, and you want to take that with you through that open door? Really? Is your speech clean? Are you a loyal employee? Are you stealing in the workplace? I know you call it something else like borrowing, but are you stealing in the workplace? Do you pay your taxes? Are your relationships holy? What uncircumcised thing are you trying to bring in with you into the work of God? Saying, I will get up in my weakness and I will go but what could be so serious that God would say, it would be best for you to stay where you are than to head in to do the work of God with this thing that's still alive, that you are nurturing, that you are feeding, and still very much fully intact within you. Oh, Jesus, give us grace. Oh, Jesus, give us grace. Have you embraced his purpose for your life? I'm, I'm assuming that you know there are many people who have not embraced the body of Christ. They consider it church, someplace I go, someplace I, you know, I listen and you know, I'll probably get, have my opinion about what happened, the music or the preaching or the way they should have done this and didn't do that. That's church, and, but now you know, I'll, that's what they consider it. But I want to give you something that's much weightier than that. The church is the testimony of God in the earth today. When you fully embrace the church, then you are part of what God, through Christ Jesus, has left on the earth, ordained to be a testimony of who he is to this generation. There is much more to being part of the church of the living Lord Jesus than just showing up at 1030 on Sunday morning. Much more. I can't speak this to people who are 
babes in Christ. It takes people with spiritual ears to understand. And the call, the cry of the heart of this guy that's talking to you today is, let us lift our gaze beyond what we're seeing in the temporal, beyond what we're seeing in the right now. It's yucky, it's destructive, it's awful, I hate it, I'm embarrassed about every part of it, and whatever side you stand on, none of it is very good. But I'm not going to wallow in that. I refuse to. I'm going to put my eyes upon the one who, is the, who holds the universe in his hand. Who was here long before Republicans and Democrats. Who was here, who will be here long after people who are in control of government right now. I'm going to lift my eyes and put my confidence in him. And that's what I'm asking Bethesda to do. Let's rise above this thing. There's a place for us to be in God. Like the eagle soars, finds that place and rise above it. To be the church that is ordained to be a testimony of God of who he is to this generation. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let me take a breath. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we we, uh, read or quote from that verse every week when we take communion in the prayer service. By the way, we are having a prayer service tonight. Right here in this room. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul spoke to the Corinthian church admonishing them because uh, of their selfishness and um, they had being so self-absorbed they had gotten to that fellowship. People were gathering for worship. When you read it, you, you, this is what you realize. They were gathering to worship but really self-consumed with no real concern for the person on their right or on their left, just showing up, doing church. Um, no concern for those around them, how they're doing. Um, do they have enough to eat? Are they healthy? Are they encouraged? Is it well with them? And then Paul gives this really strong word in the 30th verse of the 11th chapter. He says, that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died because you've failed to discern the Lord's body. In other words, you fail to understand what it really means to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. You've taken it way too casually. You've treated going to church like you would treat going to a restaurant. I think we want Italian today. Let's go get Chinese tonight. It is an awesome calling to be a part of the body of Christ. I'll say it again. It is an awesome calling to be part of the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you, for me, this is my life. This is my hope. This is my heart. This is my future. It's what my wife and I have given our very lives to. It's everything I am. It is eternal. I have opened the door for you. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews, but they're not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones, you are the ones that I love. The Lord is saying this to us today. I'm going to do something so powerful in your life and through your life that false religion, and there's plenty of it around, will lose its hold on the people and they will come and worship where you are. Verse 12, all who are victorious will become pillars in the house of my God, in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. In other words, I'm going to give you a strength that you don't have now as you are finding what you, all that is taking everything within you to get up from where you are to walk through that door. You have little strength, but, but I'm going I'm to give you a strength that will cause you to be unmovable. 
and I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Anyone who hears with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Here's what God is saying. He says, I'm going to write on you the name of hope. How many want hope written on your life today? I'm going to write on you the name of a future, and I'm going to write on you the name of victory. Who wants victory written on your life today? Victory that was won on the cross of Calvary. And Bethesda, as we rise, as we rise, even in our weakness, to walk through that door that God has set before us, which no man can open and no man can shut, as we respond to his calling on our lives individually and as a church, I'm telling you this. Even in the midst of a hopeless, crooked, dark, deceived generation, here's what's going to happen to the person who is going to rise to do that. You will have another countenance. You're not going to have the same countenance as everybody else has. You will have another name written on you. You will have a source of inward strength that doesn't come from anything in this world. It only comes from God. Who's ready for it today? And we will give glory to God in our weakness. And we will go from place to place in our weakness. And and the glory of God will follow us as we go. Those who will rise and get rid of whatever they got to get rid of. Cut it off. Abolish it. And to walk through that open door. And And that which would seek to destroy men and women around us will have to bend its knee and acknowledge that Jesus Christ has loved us. And so today, we're given a choice. Do we stay in smallness? Do we stay swallowed up with what this world has told us that we are and what this world is telling us who we are? Or do we get up and go through the open door? In your weakness, in your struggles, in your trials, can you find it within yourself to get up? Oh, you of little strength, Philadelphia. Bethesda, is it within you to to decide, I have decided to follow Jesus, and if he's calling me through to get up and go through that open door, not knowing, I'm going to go. We're going to rise with faith in our heart to believe God for victory for every area of our lives, to believe God that he will give us the power to remove that which needs to be removed, every attitude of heart that needs to go, every pain that keeps grinding our faces in the dust that needs to go, every mistake that we've made in the past that still allows Satan to access, to try to condemn us. It's cut off. It's gone in Jesus' name. And to get up in our weakness and go through that door into a victory that only God can fully make known in the human heart. Not in my strength, but in the strength of my God. Not in my plan, but in the plan of my God. Not in my victory, but in the victory of Christ who died and told me that I have power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm me. That's what he's promised you, church. That's what he's promised you. I'm believing God for the power to fully identify, fully identify with the body of Christ. No more of this playing church. What's the point? Fully identify with the body of Christ. I'm in. I'm in this church. I'm in because it's the church of the living Lord Jesus. 
It's not about me. It's about us as the body of Christ. It's about Jesus who is the the very center of it all. Can you say amen? Because he's the victorious one. And we will get up and walk through the door together. We may only have a little strength. I may only have a little strength, but I don't know about you. Anybody with me today? I'm getting up. I'm going to go through that door. And that's the cry of my heart for every one of us today. If it's the cry of your heart, stand to your feet, please. Bethesda Church, as your pastor today, I'm putting this out as honestly and forthrightly as I possibly can. It's time for us to get up and go through the door together and do it for the glory of the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah.